This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, got your Bible. Go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Matthew, chapter 5. And we're going to dig into a little bit more on the blessings and the cursing, what happens when I learn to give and honor God the way God asked me to do. And really tonight, a lot of it, we're going to tie it into some faith in some areas because to honor God with the first fruits of your increase, to tithe, I'm going to tell you, it takes great faith. But with great faith comes great blessings. Now, not one of us in this room, our, our, our net worth is it about how much money we have. That doesn't describe my net worth. Really, when we talk about our net worth, The things of that are more about a person's heart. And you've heard me say this many times to start the year. My prayers right now for my life, Lord, that I do everything toward you from my heart. What do I mean from my heart? I I just don't want to go through the emotions. That I'm saved from my heart. That I, I repent from my heart. That I love people from my heart. That I tithe and honor God from my heart. When I come in here and praise and worship, I say, Lord... I want to praise you. I want to worship you from my heart. And something begins to happen when when we give God our heart. Everything within us. You know, uh, last week we ended with Matthew 6, 21. And it says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And one of the ways I find out where my heart is, is just look at the path where your treasure is. And you may say, well, the... The number one path of my treasure, it goes to Starbucks. Five bucks. My treasure goes here, my treasure goes there. Something happens when my treasure is with the kingdom of God. And so my treasure locates me. Now, we begin in Matthew 5, verse uh, 17. The Lord Jesus talking here, and he said, Do not think... Don't misunderstand that I came, I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. Don't misunderstand why I have come, he said. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. I didn't come to abolish it, I came to accomplish its purpose. Now, when he talks about the law and the prophets, it takes us back into the Old Testament. The law was found in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Number, specifically a lot in Exodus. The prophets are the prophets of the Old Testament, where they were. And so oftentimes, people will try to separate the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament. But when you read what Jesus said, he's saying, you know what, I, I didn't come to abolish the Old Testament. So why did he come with the Old Testament? What did he come to do with it? Well, keep reading. For I surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle, which had to do with the Hebrew alphabet, will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. So he's saying here, even the smallest detail of the Old Testament, he said, I'm going to fulfill it. I'm going to accomplish it. I'm going to make it come to pass. Verse 19. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, teaches men that it's okay to break these, 
They shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of God. Whoever teaches them, whoever explains them, but he also said, whoever does them will be great in the kingdom of God. So when you begin to see what was written here by the Lord Jesus, never did he say, tell them they don't have to obey the Old Testament. They don't have to obey the law. He said, I came to fulfill it. I came to to see it happen. Verse number 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds, is more than or surpasses the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees or the law, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So when he says here that all this needs to be fulfilled, understand this. The Old Testament was about law. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to. The New Testament is about grace. So what does grace say? Grace says God's going to put his ability within us to help us to do that. And when I talk about the grace of God, the grace of God changes everything. I don't have to pray. I want to pray. In the Old Testament, they had to honor God on the Sabbath. In the New Testament, under grace, you know what? I want to honor God on the Sabbath. In the Old Testament, the tithe didn't start out as law, but it ultimately came to law. But in the New Testament, you know what? The reason I tithe is because I love to give. It's not an issue in that. And so the Lord Jesus right here, he begins to get over this, and he begins to tell us, these are the things I desire you to do. These are the things I want you to do. Now, when it comes to honoring God with your money and tithing, I can't be legalistic, okay? It becomes a choice from my heart again to do that. So I'm saying right now, giving is from the heart. Now, turn to Matthew 23. Matthew 23, and I I, I want to read just, just one verse here in Matthew 23. Because this is a passage here in the New Testament that Jesus himself talks about the tithe. I've had people say before, I can't ever find in the New Testament where Jesus talked about it. Well, Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and you Pharisees. To help you with the word woe, one translation says, what sorrow awaits you, you scribes and Pharisees. Now, you, you may say, well, who was the scribes and the Pharisees? They were the religious leaders of that land, and they were very, very legalistic. They didn't operate with a lot of mercy and grace. I don't know about you. I appreciate the mercy and grace of God. And you know what? When you give mercy and grace, you'll get mercy and grace back. Keep reading, though, about the scribes and the Pharisees. He defines them as hypocrites. Now this is what Jesus said about them. The the only people in the Bible that you ever saw Jesus get upset with was these guys. They were so legalistic. If you look and you study the New Testament, you never find Jesus getting mad at a sinner. He never went up and popped him and said, you idiot, quit lying, quit doing that. The only time I find In the passage of the New Testament throughout it that he got upset was with the Pharisees and the scribes. And part of it was because they were so prideful and arrogant. 
Get rid of arrogance. 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 5, says that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. The only place in the entire Bible you'll ever find that God resists someone. He doesn't resist the sinner. Woohoo! thank God. But when I have the aroma of pride, when I wear the cologne or the perfume of arrogance, haughtiness, better than now, understand this. God said, I'm going to resist you. Ooh, we don't want that. We don't want Ask God to grace you to be humble. Okay, we keep reading. Woe to you, scribes and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. And you may say, well, what does that mean? Well, remember back in the Old Testament, most of them made their, their living by farming or ranching. Well, in this situation, he's using these little, little bitty uh, ingredients. He's using these little, little bitty plants, and he's saying, you pay the tithe off of mint and nice and cumin. You are careful to tithe off, for, uh, off the tiniest income. You tithe, and you're very, very meticulous on how you tithe. Keep reading. But you have neglected... You have ignored the weightier or the heavier, heavier matters of the law. He says here, you've ignored these, these things that are heavier or more in depth. Now what was that? Justice, mercy, and faith. You've passed by justice, mercy, faith, and love. You haven't done that. You've tied. Now watch Jesus' words at the last part of verse 23. He says... These you ought to have done. You ought to have done faith, mercy, and love. You ought to have done those. Look at the end of verse 23. Without leaving the others undone. So you know what the Lord Jesus said? He said tithing is important. He didn't say you don't have to do that anymore. He said you ought to have done that. But I can't neglect the other things of the Word of God or the Bible. And so, just, just because I may give mercy, I may give justice, and I may give love, doesn't exempt me from tithing. But we can flip it around. Just because I tithe doesn't exempt me from walking in love, or showing mercy, or, or giving love to other people. Now, this is the words of the Lord Jesus. These are red-letter words. So we get right here... Jesus encouraged tithing. Now, the rest of the evening, I want you to go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And this is a passage um, I, I would really highly encourage you to, to read and study Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 talks about faith. In Hebrews 11, it's what we call the Faith Hall of Fame. Every man and woman in there, it'll say stuff like this. By faith, this did this one. By faith, that one did this. Now understand, biblically, the Bible says uh, the just shall live by faith. We've got to learn to faith. So I'm going I'm to jump through this, this chapter just a little bit. Begin with me in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it's the evidence of things not seen. So what would that mean? Faith is the assurance. Faith is the confidence of the things that I'm hoping for, the things I'm believing for. 
even though there may not be evidence with my physical eye. In other words, I may not see it with, the, with my physical eye, but just because I can't see it doesn't mean it's not true. Correct? And so that's how faith operates, just because I can't see it. Here, here's a thought for you. How many of you have ever seen the wind? We live in West Texas, one of the most windiest places in all America. How many of you have ever seen the wind? I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind. So again, just because I can't see with my natural eye, doesn't, believe, doesn't mean it's not there. How many of you know when you look out the wind of, in, in the middle of March... And you see the trees blowing and everything. I don't see the wind, but I'll guarantee you when I walk out there, you're going to have a bad hair day real quick. You're going to have a skirt alert because the wind is there. So again, that's a lot how faith works. That faith is not dependent on my eyes, my physical senses, my ears or what I can. Faith is what? Faith is a byproduct of the Word of God. So when I hear the Word of God, understand the, the, according to Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. If you've got areas in your life where you feel like, man, I don't have faith, start getting in the Word. Because when I read the Word, the Word will produce faith on the inside of me. And so just keep digging in the Word. And so that's the first verse. Verse number six is number the second point we've got to really see here. But without faith, get this, you've got to get this. It is po- impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Now, how many of us in here want to please him? Every one of us. But I got to listen to what the word of God says. Without faith, you're never going to please him. And one of the cries of his disciples, they said, Lord, increase our faith. Increase it. We got to get more faith. Well, it's the same with every one of us. And so if I'm going to please God, I'm going to have to get faith. And remember, faith is a byproduct of the Word of God. Better said this way. You get into the Word, and God will get into you. And I'm going to tell you before long, man, that Word starts coming out of your mouth. You begin to meditate on it. Again, you want to locate yourself? Just listen to what you're saying. Uh, Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, what I put into my heart, the mouth speaks. Oh man, we're always broke. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So again, I got to start getting the word of God in me and I release that by speaking it. Same chapter, we begin at verse number 8. And where we're going here, this is the patriarch, a man of God named Abraham. Now watch when we go here because he's going to teach us some areas how faith operates. Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, there it is. It was by faith, is what translation says, that Abraham obeyed God. If you want to live by faith, and again, without faith it's impossible to please him, so I venture to say, we all want to live by faith. We need to get that in us. I'm going to have to obey God. I've got to learn to obey the word of God, just like what was taking place here. So it says here, by faith, Abraham obeyed God when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And so when Abraham went out by faith, he didn't question God. He didn't say, Father God, I don't know that it's a good time of day. But he stepped out by faith 
Even though it says he did not know where he was going, he believed and trusted God because God told him, he said, you got to get out of your father's house. you got to get out of that land. you got to go where I'm asking you. And so he stepped out by faith. A couple of weeks ago, actually it was New Year's Day. New Year's Day was a Sunday. On Saturday, the weatherman, he gave Lubbock an 80% chance of rain. So on Sunday morning, you go out, the sky is blue. There's not a cloud in the sky. And I'm thinking, those geniuses, they don't know what they're talking about. I come out of church after uh, Sunday afternoon, not a cloud in the sky. I'm out at 6 that night, and I look, there's, there's nothing. And I thought, they blew it. Why? Because I'm looking for clouds, and there's no clouds. It rained a half an inch that night. See, oftentimes that's how faith is. We, we, we get our eyes on everything we see, but faith is a product of the Word of God. So what I'm going to believe is what God said. And when I start getting a hold of what God says, that's where i got to start obeying it. I start doing it. You know why? Not because there's a cloud in the sky. I obey it because God said so. So this is the first point that Abraham does here. Verse number 9. By faith... Abraham dwelt in the land of promise. He went to a land that was promised to him. You know, every time you find things in the Word of God that are written to you, that's a promise for you. You know what one of the promises from God is for me and you? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you know what he said? You'll be saved. That's a promise. So we can stand on that. So right here, Abraham stands on this promise and says, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise. As in a foreign country. Dwelling in the tents with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs with him of the same promise. Now I highlighted in my Bible the word dwelling. He was dwelling in a tent. You know what this showed me? God told him he said you got to leave your father's house. You got to get out of here. So you know what it tells me? He did it. He stepped out by faith. Because he was dwelling in those tents. And so when you see the dwelling in the tents. He preferred obeying God, being committed to God, above convenience. And he obeyed God and was committed to God, even above comfort. He said, you know what, I'm just going to trust and believe God. And this may be a season in my life, but I'm going to believe in him. And so when you see he was dwelling there in tents, it shows me he was committed to the word of God. He, was, he said, okay, Father God, if you said this, then I'm going to step out by faith, even if i got to dwell in a tent. See, think about the things we're committed to or we're not committed to. Just think about it. Am I really committed to that? I mean, you find out real quick with the Cowboy fans who's really committed and who's not. Amen. Tough loss. Hmm. Just a sidetrack there for you. I had, I had a person not long ago said to me, he said, Pastor, my marriage is in trouble. He said, if you would counsel us, I know it would, it would make it work. And I said this out of my mouth, and I still believe this all my, with everything I got. I said, let me ask you two questions. Are you committed to God? And are you committed to your marriage? Because if you can't look me in the eye and say I'm committed to God, and you can't look me in the eye and say I'm committed to my marriage, then all the counsel in the world won't fix you, okay? So in this thing called life, To live by faith, I'm going to have to be committed and I'm going to have to stay committed and pastor's going to have to move. Verse number 10. 
For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He waited for the city. He waited patiently. And oftentimes in our life, when it doesn't happen overnight, it doesn't work. But Hebrews 6.12 says, through faith and patience, we inherit. So understand this. My job isn't to make it come to pass. That's God's job. My job is just to believe. And sometimes I believe longer and I believe longer. How many of you have waited stuff for years in your life? And keep waiting. Don't give up. Here's a thought for you with Abraham. He didn't have that child, the promised child, till he was 100 years old. That's two days older than dirt. I'm telling you, that's a long time. Don't give up. Be committed. Stay with it. Verse, 12, or verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age. You know how old she was? She was 90 years old. You're talking about twisting your head. How many of you have ever seen a woman 90 pregnant? I'm 56, and if Shelly told me she was pregnant, you guys would have to pray for me, because I'm telling you. I'm going home to see Jesus. She bore a child when she was past the age. Now watch this, watch this. Because, because, the because factor, because she judged him faithful who had promised. She judged him faithful. She considered him faithful. And you know what she said? Okay, if God promised it, I don't care, 80, 90, 100, I'm going to have a kid for no other reason than that God said it. And so every one of us in this room, we judge God on a daily basis. We either judge him faithful or we judge him unfaithful. And the way we judge God and the way we consider God, it sets the course for our lives. Oftentimes we wonder why things aren't happening. It's because we judged him unfaithful. And when you doubt the word of God, you've judged him unfaithful. So i got to get to a place that when I read the word of God, I look and I said, God said this, and because God said it, I'm going to judge him faithful. So when God says to me that if I honor him with my tithes and my offerings, Malachi 3, 8, verse 9, 8, 9, and 10, he said, I'll open for you the windows of heaven. I'll pour out blessings on you. So again, I'm judging him faithful, and I judge him faithful by even by my actions. Same chapter, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom he said in Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able. He came to the conclusion that God was able. See, every one of us on a daily basis, we come to conclusions about things, but it's interesting that he came to the conclusion in his own life, and he said out of his mouth that God was able. That God was an able God. So me and you, we got to come to these conclusions in our life. Just as he walked it out and he said, you know what, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to dwell with God. I'm going to be committed to God. I'm going to be patient. She judged him faithful. And then this last part, he concluded. Now that statement right there, concluding that God was able, it cross-references me back to Romans 4. I'm going to end with this. He concluded that God was able. This passage here in Romans 4, we'll talk about this man named Abraham who had to walk by faith just like me and you. Now listen to this, Romans 4, 17. As it is written, as it is written, 
Just as it's written in your Bible and my Bible, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. This is what God is saying to Abraham. In the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead. Now listen, this is where we got to go right here. He calls those things which do not exist as though they did exist. Notice the verse does not say that God calls those things that are as though they aren't. And if you look real close there, he says, I call those things that don't exist as though they do. So authentic faith here, guys, does not deny the obstacle. It doesn't deny it at all. But it declares or decrees that God himself is greater than the obstacle that we're facing. So faith says this. Faith calls those things that be not as though they are. Well, that's lying. No, it's not lying because I find it as it is written. I find what the Word of God says, and I begin to stand on that. And just even in your life, if you're believing God for something, you stand on the Word of God. And because I can't see it, I'm calling that thing that be not as though it was. Now, many times in the Bible, that's what happened. With the birth of even the Lord and Savior Jesus, the angel comes to her and says, Hey, Mary, you're going to get pregnant, but you're not going to have a, a, a man for that to happen. God called those things that be not as though they are. He said, I'm going to put a baby within you. Think about this with the Lord Jesus. Jesus is on the ocean. The waves are rocking. His disciples said, Lord, do you not care? We're going to perish. And you know what Jesus steps out and says? Peace be still. So the Lord Jesus himself, he called that thing that didn't exist, peace, as though it did. And when he spoke it out of his mouth, it began to happen. Here's another one with the Lord Jesus. There was a man named Lazarus. Lazarus had been dead three days. He stinketh. Jesus walks in and he didn't look at everybody and says, he's a goner. Call the funeral home. You know what Jesus says? Jesus looks in there and sees him dead and he says, Lazarus, come forth. So what did Jesus did do? He called the thing that didn't exist, Lazarus, come forth as though it did exist. See, it's the same with me and you. But again, if we highlight verse 4, it all hinges on it is written. As it is written, so what happens with me and you, there's things in our life that may not be happening like we desire, but when I find Scripture, I begin to speak to it. So, whoo, I better hurry, man. In my own life, man, I'm going to talk real fast. You say, that's all you've been doing all night. I have problems with my sleep. So I find in the Word of God, Psalms 127, 2, uh, Proverbs 3, 24, uh, Proverbs, uh, Psalm 4, 8. Every one of those talk about my sleep. So I hadn't been sleeping good. But I find out in the Bible it's written. And, and when I find it's written, that's my title deed. I said, I got a title deed. Here it is. Here it is. That God promised me that I can have sweet and peaceful sleep. So I go to bed that night and I begin to say, I thank you, Father God. I got sweet and peaceful sleep. I call that thing that doesn't exist as though I did exist. Why? Because the Word of God. Because God promised. So again, I'm not lying. I'm just hooking my faith up with the Word of God. And don't be moved what you see. Don't be moved by what you hear. Only be moved by what the Word of God says. And that's the same in the area of tithing. 
that you begin to look and say, man, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't. I do it because, one, the Word of God tells me to, and two, I'm fully convinced that he'll do what he said he'll do. And that's where you get over in the faith. Stand up. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.